Welcome back to another episode of Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Brian Kaufman. Today, we are diving into week six of the college football season and all of its aftermath. But first, a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. And if you like the show, we'd love if you leave us a five-star review. You can also follow me and all of my picks on Twitter, at Gorgon Sports. Five and four last week against the spread, 35 and 24 on the season. So, uh, you know, kind of plugging along there, plugging along. Not ever going to complain about a near 60% record against the spread. Also hit uh, one of my 11 to 1 money line parlays. So, one and five on those, but you hit one and you're, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. So, that's where you can find me. That's where you can find our show. Brian, how are you? 11 games over 500, man. Don't sell yourself short. That's pretty good. I'm doing great. Uh, just learning that I need to um, just ride your picks because mine are not. I, I'm I'm as cold as cold gets right now. So from a betting perspective, not particularly doing well. Thank you for asking. But hey, an enjoyable week of college football in the books. I'm excited to talk about it. Well, I woke up feeling kind of irritated this morning. So you have a little bit of a salty agitated irritated steven today i mean let me can i just air my grievances for a second away the floor is yours i'm pissed off about the maryland game i'm pissed off maryland lost that game i'm mad because we're in this college football pool together with two of our best friends and two weeks ago i was looking great now i'm in last place uh because let's see what happened that annoyed me yesterday oh kentucky losing at home to south carolina not ideal. Utah. I think my number, the number three pick in the draft, number four. No, I had the fourth pick. Four pick in the draft. Number four pick in the draft. Loved him. Said Kyle Whittingham. I've trust him all day. Love the offense. He'll get the defense in shape. Ah, not really. Didn't really happen. UCLA ran all over that team yesterday. So I woke up feeling a bit agitated this morning, a bit irritated. So yeah, that, that's the Steven you got today. And somebody else who might be feeling a bit irritated this morning, Jimbo Fisher, Brian, Texas A&M losing a close one to Alabama. What'd you think of it? Man, it's so funny how times can change leading up to games between. I mean, remember I said in this very airwaves that that was my number one game of the year that I was looking forward to. And to be frank, the Aggies just didn't hold up their end of the bargain leading up to it, right? They, they they just needed to play a little bit better. I saw Steve Sarkeesian on game day who said like, hey, I, I would love to have this be the game day game, but we both actually have to play better in order for that to happen. That's sort of how I feel about Texas A&M in this game. I was so looking forward to it. Um, and I was half falling asleep, to, if I could be quite frank with you. But I was really, really impressed, to be honest, that that it was as close as it was. I think like... Going into the game, uh, you know, I just thought Bama's not going to play with their food here. Saban's not going to let his team forget. They were never going to make that happen. I thought it was a really interesting game plan from Alabama to get into the more specifics. I I felt like with a week, I I think they probably knew early on that that Milroe was going to be their guy at quarterback. And you could tell that they sort of like – did a little bit more playing to his strengths, right? He only threw the ball 19 times, uh, and he rushed the ball 17 times for 83 yards. He was really efficient. They leaned on Jameer Gibbs um, as much as they have. He carried the ball more than 20 times. Um, and and on the other side, on AM side, like if you had asked me how would they hang with Bama, it sure as hell wasn't going to be Haynes King throwing the ball 50 times. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting too. You know, he looked – okay at times but not you know ever a guy that's gonna pass you to beating Alabama so yeah I was I I thought they might try to get Devon A. Chain the ball a little bit more um he had I think 20 touches between rushes and receptions um but yeah I mean look Bama does it again I I it's it's so fascinating because the line is very thin between are we talking about Alabama has two narrow escapes from team versus teams from Texas that we don't really know if they're good or not, or this is an Alabama team that's winning while finding out who they are. Right. I think that's part of the discussion here. Like which of those 
is more accurate statement about Alabama. We should be worried or we should be impressed that they're t- dodging some of these bullets and coming out coming out unscathed. I feel like I would be a little more inclined to believe that line of thinking if that game had been in College Station. And I think going on the road and winning that game the way they did, and granted, like you said, backup quarterback playing, you don't have your, your Heisman Trophy contending quarterback uh, in the lineup. So, I mean, it's still something. But I, I just feel like at home as a 23-and-a-half point favorite, 24-point yeah. favorite, yeah. it's just a little too close. And, I mean, in the SEC, a win's a win. When you're trying to go through a college football season, a win's a win. But what I think it, this does tell me is I think that maybe Georgia and Alabama are not as far ahead of the pack as we once thought they were. And I think maybe Ohio State is the favorite right now to win the national championship. Maybe they're the team that is the most trustworthy in the country. Cause I mean, I, I don't look at this Alabama team and say they are unbeatable. And I do think part of that is Bryce young is not the biggest quarterback in the world. Like he's dealing with injuries and that could pop up again throughout the season. So I, I think that's kind of something you have to take into consideration. Yes. Gibbs was an absolute workhorse in this game. He has been in a in the last couple games and he's putting up monster numbers. I mean, I think he should be kind of getting himself into Heisman contention with the numbers he's putting up right now, but I tend to feel like there's maybe less separation between Georgia, Alabama, and the rest of the field than there has been has been in the past. And I would go as far to say that I think Ohio State has been the most impressive looking team in the country right now. Hard to argue with that, man. I mean, we're not going to dig too deep into another blowout win, but six touchdowns for C.J. Stroud. Nobody's really slowed them down too much. I mean, I know they weren't explosive, as explosive against Notre Dame in the opener as we maybe thought they were going to be, but they do seem to do a lot of things well, and their defense looks better than it than it has, right? Three Big Ten games in, they haven't given up more than 21 points. Um, I mean, that's impressive for, for Ohio State, too. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, we're going to start to look ahead kind of different points throughout the episode. Um, but Bama goes to Tennessee next week, and this is one where – I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams. And I think there's a bunch of games on the schedule next week. That's like, you know, I was looking at it and I was like, this is like a prove yourself weekend for a lot of, a lot of teams that are going to go head to head. And I mean, this is what Tennessee's wanted to be relevant again, to have this big opportunity. Um, I think they're sixth in the AP poll that came out on Sunday and Bama's third. Now this is a, a, a massive, massive game for both these teams. And I think we're going to learn a lot about both of them and sort of what to expect, but I do, I, I, I'd be interested to see, I haven't checked out if there's an early line out on that one, but I think um, I, I expect it to be a close game. I really do. Like uh, they've, they've kind of let teams hang around. It looks like it's seven and a half. I see on FanDuel right now, seven and a half Bama uh, favorites on the road. So I, that's one I can't wait for next week because it, it is like, I don't know if, I should be worried about Bama, but I'm I'm sure going to find out soon. <laughs> and and it's coming on Saturday. I, I could be overlooking something here, but I think this is probably the biggest Alabama-Tennessee game that I can really remember. Because I feel like, you know, it's so funny. People forget that... When I was when we were growing up, right? Like I didn't we didn't grow up in SEC country, but I loved college football. And I remember being a kid in like 1999, 2000, and they'd go to Alabama for like game day, and Alabama would be like 22nd, and they'd be like, "Why are they going to Alabama? Like what what is Alabama?" And like not knowing all the history of that program and how dominant they had been as a young child, not knowing like what Bear Bryant had built there and what a part of college football history it was but like I grew up kind of like thinking that Bama to me Florida was the team in the SEC and even to some extent Tennessee was one of those teams in the SEC so my I say all this to say I feel like at one point when Tennessee was really up Bama was down and then obviously over the last 10 to 15 years when Alabama's been really up 
Tennessee's been down and, you know, that's been kind of a, a mess over the years with all the coaching changes and lack of consistency there. So I, I can't remember a bigger game and it's been since 2006 that Tennessee has beaten Alabama. That's also in that game, Tennessee came into the game ranked seventh Alabama unranked, uh, the next year in 2007, Tennessee ranked 20th, Alabama unranked. And uh, ever since then, there's only been one ranked versus ranked matchup, and that was 2016. Alabama was first, Tennessee was ninth. Maybe that was the Josh Dobbs year, uh, but Alabama won that game 49 to 10. So I, I think it's safe to say, at least in the past 15 years, this is the biggest Tennessee-Alabama game. And it's kind of nice to have a rivalry that's a historic rivalry, but largely been a non-competitive rivalry, kind of back on the radar, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, Tennessee looked great again against LSU. 500 yards offense. In Baton Rouge, five yards of rush. They did it 50 times, forced a couple turnovers. I, they're, they're a team, man, like – the path to number four is is there. Like you could make that argument pretty easily to me because their non-Alabama Georgia games left are UT Martin, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. If you think that they're going to win those, all they need is a split of Bama and Georgia. If they can, t- and okay, yes, that's a lot easier said than done. But if they're if they can split and be a one-loss Tennessee team, I, man, I don't know. But they kind of need to win two out of three of those games, right? Like because they have to, they're gonna have to split. Well, although unless, no, they, yeah, I wonder though if yeah. they beat Alabama, and lose to Georgia, lose to Georgia, Georgia that would be the, the best thing exactly. that could possibly happen to them. Yep. Because they don't have to play in the championship game. They're sitting there looking pretty. Winners of three straight. They're only lost to a shoe-in playoff team in Georgia. Like, man. I don't know. I'm just saying it's there. I'm probably getting ahead of myself. But what do you think? Like, do you expect Tennessee to to put up a fight on Saturday? I, I think they do. I think they do. I think they do. And I think the best thing that could have happened to them was having a bye between the Florida and the LSU game. Because I think, like, I was eyeing that up when I first looked at the schedule. I didn't realize there was a bye after that Florida game. I was like, oh, they are so high off this Florida win. They they were the better team against Florida, but it ended up being a close game. Like, Florida had a chance. I thought they actually had a good game plan, especially in the first half, to kind of slow the things down and, and stay in it. But I think if they had gone right out of that game into an LSU game, and they were also fortunate that the LSU game was 11 a.m. Central time, I think that is a different story. But they had that bye week. They had that week to get focused. And they came in and they just drilled LSU. They were the clearly better team. I mean, there was no question about who the better team was in that game. And I think... I just said this is the biggest Alabama-Tennessee game in some time. I think this is the biggest game in Knoxville to take place in Knoxville in a long, long time. And I, I, you know, everybody has their own opinion. I, I tend to think that things like home field do matter. The atmosphere around the game does matter. And I think there is going to be such emotion around this game. They're going to come out. They're going to come out hot. And I think they're a good enough football team to stay in it. I mean, SP plus has them as the number two. Bill Connolly has them as the number two offense in the country right now. And it's really hard to argue that they're, they're anything but that. Um, I think they are clearly one of the top offenses in the country. I think, you know, last year they had a lead. I think it was in the second quarter, maybe against Alabama. And they were, they were only down 21, 14 at halftime. So they were kind of in it on the road last year. And I, you know, sometimes have you heard this? Do you ever hear a talk that like Tennessee's offense is kind of like a gadget offense. It's like not a legit offense. It's kind of like the triple option of 10 or 15 years ago where it's like you can't actually win anything real with it. Cause I've heard, I've heard that line of thinking and I'm not so sure I, I agree with it. Like, I'm not sure I'm not a scheme guy. I'm not an X's and O's guy where I'm breaking this stuff down. But like what I see is they constantly have receivers pretty open and they have a quarterback <laughs> who can make throws when they're not wide open. And 
they are able to score a lot of points. And I don't know, maybe that's simple, but to me, it's a pretty good recipe for winning football games. So, I I mean, I I don't think there's a reason. I I think I'm not going to go out and pick them to win this game right now, but I think there's real reason to believe that they can stay in it because they can score with anybody in the country. And, uh, you know, if they if they're out there and shoot, I mean, I, I assume Bryce Young is going to play in the game. Obviously, that's a huge a huge factor. But maybe they'll just go out and outscore Alabama. I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, number two off, offense in the country according to to Bill Connolly. So there you go. From number two to number three. So I know you're a little bit heated. The number three offense in the country right now, according to SP Plus, the UCLA Bruins. Pretty impressive. A 10-point win against Utah uh, at home on Saturday. So this one, to me, like, the story I took away from this was was DTR just looking really comfortable, really good, right? Like, this was a big game for him. He's He's been around a while, and I feel like we've just kind of been waiting for him to take that next step and and take over a game, dominate a team, look like he really – was the guy that's a good defense that he shredded i mean obviously uh there utah always has pretty good defenses he shredded them zach charbonnet almost 200 yards rushing uh he's been so good sort of like quietly effective since he transferred in from michigan um yeah i mean a, a tough loss for the utes just the first one in conference play second one overall but i think the story is ucla I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on them and sort of like how should we view them as a team that's six and zero here, six games in? So I, I, I'm gonna argue with you a bit that this is a good defense because I think sure. I owe I owe the listeners an apology, and I owe I want to apologize to myself for being so <laughs> high on Utah preseason, and I was so high on them, and like, look, I, I guess I don't need to apologize because I feel the pain too because I bet real money on. Utah to win 10 games. Utah to make the playoffs. Utah to win the Pac-12. I uh, Actually, I'm not sure about if I ever bet them. I think I never... I don't know. I probably did. I bet them every which way possible. Either way, I know 100% for a fact, I bet them to win 10 games and to make the playoffs. And I think their offense has lived up to everything that I thought. But I had the assumption that like, I knew they lost pieces on defense, but I said... Kyle Whittingham is a good enough coach and he's a good enough defensive coach that they will get that thing figured out defensively. And they have not got that thing figured out defensively. Anthony Richardson has not looked as good in any game this year as he did against Utah. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. And then UCLA, I mean, you said it, Brian, but I want to, I want to give the exact stats here to just emphasize just how much uh, Zach Charbonnet pounded them on the ground. Nine yards a carry for 198 yards on the ground. Like Utah was known last year when they just pounded Oregon twice. They dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And they're not doing that right now on the defensive side of the ball. And I think UCLA is a good team. If we go back and listen to my, our Pac-12 episode, I said I liked UCLA at the time too. I like this whole conference right now. Honestly, I think it's a fun conference. But Utah has not developed on the defensive side of the ball the way I thought they could, and ultimately that's why they're not going to be a playoff team. They're out of playoff contention now. They could win the Pac-12, but they got to win out essentially at this point. I don't. I mean, it is an elimination game for them against USC this week. If they don't win that game, they're done. It, they're Pac-12 championship dreams are over and at the end of the day it's not going to be because of cam rising in the offense it's be going to be because their defense has not developed the way that i thought they could so i was pretty firm like i still think utah's the best team i still think utah's the best team in the pac-12 and i think i at this point had to say they are not i think usc is better i think ucla is better i mean they they just beat them i can't take that away from them and I think there's a real debate about whether Oregon is better because Oregon's offense is looking unreal right now so that's where I'm kind of at is like I still think Utah is a good team but they are clearly not a CFP team and that's where I thought they were at the beginning of the season it's disappointing for Utah fans disappointing for me are we headed towards what we always see from the Pac-12 where they sort of cannibalize themselves and and miss out because I think you were not, you're far from alone as the team, as the 
Utah was the team you expected to be a playoff contender. Now, obviously, USC's been looking really, really good, and UCLA's undefeated. But those weren't the teams that you sort of thought were going to be, okay, if I'm the Pac-12, I'm staking my hopes to them. Like, could we be on a collision course for same old story? You know, that one team starts to pull away, suffers a bad loss, and the rest is history. Sadly, I think yes. I think USC is probably the best hope of, you know, and it's weird. Like, if you're the Pac-12, do you even want USC to make the playoff at this point? If you're Pac-12 brass, knowing that they're headed out, like, you much rather would have that team, that team had been Utah, right? You're probably rooting for Utah or Oregon if you, if, they, they were given truth serum. They would say, we want Utah or Oregon to be the team that finally breaks through because they're the team that's going to be with us seemingly for the foreseeable future. Right. But I think like if there is a team, it's USC. But I think this league is just a good, deep league. And they're, I still think USC's defense is just not good enough. Like I still do think USC is going to lose at Utah next week. I, right, I'm going right. to I'm going to stand firm on that because it's still hard to go on the road in college football, especially when you don't have an elite defense. So, um, I just I, I don't know, you know, that anybody's going to be able to run the table in this conference, and I think that's a testament to the conference. But unfortunately, like from a national perspective, it's going to be viewed as like same old Pac-12, and I, and I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's funny. Like this is the exact thing that happens, right? Like the least surprising outcome is when Utah defends home turf and wins this game, right? Because now it's like they're out. Okay. Let's forget about them. Okay. USC it's USC. And then they trip and fall. So I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that that is, uh, that it's more than likely at this point. Do you, do you think the PAC 12 is better than the ACC? I think the Pac-12 is better than the ACC. Yeah, I do. Yeah, like to me, to me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, for sure. Like, and and that's what's kind of frustrating as somebody who just I, I get frustrated a bit with the way the college football playoff has kind of changed the conversation around the sport because it's like the only thing that matters now is whether you make the col- whether you make the college football playoff or not. It's like almost viewed as like winning the PAC 12 is not a worthy endeavor in itself, which I totally disagree with. And I think I would rather sit down and watch a random PAC 12 game right now than a random ACC game, like without question, but the PAC 12 does not get viewed in the same light as the, as the ACC. I mean, maybe not like, I guess it's getting viewed in the same light, but to me, it's so clearly better and needs to have more respect, like regardless of whether one team can run the table or not. And I view the big 12 the same way. Like I would much rather watch the PAC 12 or big 12 right now than watch the ACC right now. But those leagues are still viewed, I think as kind of inferior leagues because they don't have that clear college football playoff contender. And I I just think it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a a great segue to Red River, to be honest with you, because um, you alerted me to this right before we started recording, and I was I was honestly pretty stunned to hear that that Texas is the the betting favorite to win the Big Twelve right now. A very, very, very impressive win. Uh, that's not a team that I think is going to the playoff, no matter what they do the rest of the way with with two losses on on their docket. Um, but yeah, man, wow. I think we had talked on Friday about uh, not really expecting a blowout either way in this game, um, and we certainly got one. Texas was really impressive. Oklahoma was without Dylan Gabriel, so I do think that's like sort of part of what you have to say, right? They had five different people attempt to pass. They were just sort of like patchworking an offense, it very much felt like. Um, so impressive by Texas maybe not an, an even matchup that we wanted. So I told you I'm a little irritated today, right? Yeah. Now you're going to get some of my irritation coming out. Can you explain to me why my number three TCU uh, Horn Frogs from last <laughs> week, my number three team in the country, 
how is what they did against the Oklahoma team at full strength not as impressive as what Texas did against an Oklahoma team without their starting quarterback? I, I do not get this, Brian. Like, TCU dominated Oklahoma, dominating them with Dylan Gabriel in the game. Like, that, that game was a wrap before he got hurt. That is so much more impressive than what Texas did, but they got that little longhorn on their helmet, and TCU's got that horned frog, and it's like everybody loses their mind. And I don't even, I'm not even like out here screaming bias because apparently the advanced stats, which I love, loves Texas too. Let's see, their number, uh, they are definitely in the top five in both their number five in SP, and I think their number five four in FPI. I had it up. I don't know what had too many damn tabs up right now. Can't find it, but whatever they are. Uh, they are high in, in FPI. And I think I'm pretty sure they're in the top five in FPI as well, but I don't get it. Like, am I wrong? Do you think what Texas did is more impressive than what TCU did a week ago? I don't necessarily. Uh, no, I don't. I don't at all. What I think is happening. And I, I wonder how much this factors in. Quinn Ewers is really good. He's really good. I don't like just watching. There's some dudes who just like kind of make throwing the ball look effortless. Like he, he definitely was doing like some sidearm flick of the wrist type stuff that like, I think it'll end up getting him in trouble sometimes, but like he is supremely talented and he didn't play when they lost to Texas tech and he went out in the loss to Alabama I wonder how much of that is factoring in that's like, okay, we are seeing like, this is probably, this is the first game we're seeing of like full blown Texas offense in rhythm. Right. I mean, Ewers played the opener against UL Monroe, but that that's pretty much it. So I wonder if it's, uh, if it's as much a, okay, maybe we're looking at a Texas team that can keep up on the scoreboard with a lot of people that we weren't necessarily giving them credit for. Now, I don't think, I love advanced analytics too. I don't think I'm looking at a top five team in the country, but their offense looked damn near unstoppable. And I mean, we, we've poked holes. We've asked questions about Oklahoma's defense on this very podcast very recently. So I think it's a wait and see thing for me um, but I'm, I, I guess I would say I'm not surprised watching the Texas offense this past week that you could see that translating to long-term success. No, I think that's a really good point. I think it's a fair, rational point. I like, <laughs> I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's like a reason to, there is a reason to say, okay, Quinn yours could be the game changer for them. However, would you really be surprised if they go play Iowa State next week and lose like a 17 to 13 game to Iowa State, like, would you really be surprised by that still? No, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. No, no. But I, I feel like I'm conditioned to expect this kind of roller coaster ride from Texas. And that's what I think Texas has to go prove. They have Iowa State at home, which has to be a win if they really want to win the conference. And by the way, they are number four in FPI, and FPI gives them a 55% chance of winning the conference. I, They have three top 25 conference road games left. At Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, TCU at home in back-to-back-to-back weeks. Actually, they have a buy. They do have a buy in there, but still, those are there are three games after after Iowa State, and I, for one, would just like to see how they perform in that in those games before we get on the Texas's back train. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I honestly <laughs> like. I I don't think we have a a deep dive planned in this, but I'm not sure what Oklahoma State did that that knocked them off of. I don't know if they were the betting favorite last week, but to me undefeated team that has looked solid week in and week out and yeah texas tech had it close but like uh, they just they just keep doing what it is they do i i've been as impressed with them and i know you love tcu too it just kind of feels like it does kind of feel like a a name brand thing it really does it does and i wouldn't be surprised if that is part of why they are the favorite at at fanduel right now i mean you know as a sports book you want to kind of get that that sucker money 
in there. Yeah, right? Right, it's like right. you're gonna set the odds as you're not you're not gonna give out odds if you can good odds if you can get it a little bit lower and get some some sucker money in there especially if like a lot of the computers are saying they're a top team too but let me let me just give you like the top six right now in the big 12 from an odds perspective so it's texas plus 250 oklahoma state plus 270 tcu plus 270 kansas state plus 600 baylor plus 650 kansas plus 3500 which of these teams would you bet on right now? Or, I mean, maybe none of them, if maybe you don't like any of the odds. Yeah, I, I would bet Oklahoma State at plus 270 is what I would bet from that list right now. I think they just – they look solid on both sides of the ball. I think, like – I think you could make an argument for TCU. I, like, anything else sort of feels like you're – Kansas State at at double the odds, right? Like, I could I could talk myself into that, too. Um, but I'm not biting on Texas. I've never been particularly high on Baylor this year, and those are kind of the only, the only realistic ones you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, I still, I still think you got to look at the team that's three and zero in conference in in Kansas State at plus six hundred. I mean, I'm not doing it because I got twice as good odds on that preseason, so I'm just gonna let that that thing ride on out. But I don't know. I I still like TCU, man, and I, I think we should talk about that game a little bit, given that it was the game day game at at Kansas um you know I, I that's a team I still like they won a tough game on the road against Kansas and uh Jalen Daniels went out for Kansas you know in that game but TCU pulls it out 38-31 on the road in a big day for really both programs you know two undefeated teams going to a place that had never had game day before two programs that don't participate in the biggest stage in college football a whole lot and TCU kind of continued to do what TCU has done, which is put up at least 38 points in every game that they've played this year. So to me, like I saw a little talk and I'm doing what like I hate doing. I shouldn't do, but do it anyway is react to the reaction. I saw a little like chatter on, on Twitter about like TCU is going to, you know, go down to go down once they play some of the better teams in the big 12 and, you know, they can't keep this up forever, but I, I just respect what they've done. I respect what they've done. Respect what Max Duggan has done. Um, you know, and I I just, I think it was a good win for them. Like, I don't think Kansas can be discounted right now. Kansas seems like a legitimately good top 25, top 30 level team. And I think it was another good win by TCU. I mean, how how did you feel about their performance in that game, Brian? Yeah, I agreed. I, I think the, the second half of that game was one of the more fun halves of the day. 42 points to combine in the third quarter. Almost 1,000 yards of offense between the two teams. It honestly, in the second half, it felt like a little bit like the good old-fashioned Big 12. Not a ton of defense. Kind of spread them out and beat them. And both teams, like I said, more than 450 yards of offense in the game. So, yeah, I mean, that's another one I had on the list, right, of prove it next weekend. TCU Oklahoma State next weekend it's 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 put up or shut up and and so far tcu has definitely put up i think getting quentin johnston going is going to be huge right like i mentioned last week on the podcast even when they were lighting up oklahoma he didn't have a big game really hadn't had a big statistical game until this one 14 catches 206 yards and a touchdown so the all all big 12 receiver seems back on track which is uh Really good timing for them as they go into Oklahoma State and Kansas State the next two weeks. But I'm with you. I, I, I would say they may trip up at some point. But what I won't put up with is, like, they haven't shown that they are more likely to do that or as likely to do that that they that they normally would. I think the Big 12 is just deep and tough, and sometimes you lose games to good teams, but they haven't lost yet, and and I, I like them too. I, I've I've been really really impressed by them. Yeah, I think like I said earlier, I I think this Big 12 this year is a ton of fun to watch, and I wouldn't be surprised either if the conference champion ends up having at least one loss, maybe two losses, and there's not a college ball playoff team coming out of this conference however I still think it's going to be a very impressive feat to go and win the big 12 this year and something you know to be really proud of like if TCU can do it or even if Texas does it like that's a building block 
for Steve Sarkeesian and his program. That's a building block for Sonny Dykes in his first year at TCU if he can go win the Big 12, especially as the Big 12 transitions into this new era where they can kind of say, like, we are the the number one, you know, team or maybe one of the top teams and kind of put their claim on that in this new era of the Big 12. So, like, I think there's a lot to that, even if they don't have a, a college ball playoff contender um, in the conference. And, like, again, I just uh, drive the point home. Like, it's still a good thing. It's still a fun thing. It's still something for the fans to be proud of, for the players to be proud of, to celebrate. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I am kind of at the point where I think it's going to be – I think Clemson's, like, almost a college ball playoff lock at this point. Um, I think there's going to be – and I think there will kind of be – then another SEC, SEC, a Big Ten, and I think there will be the fourth team will be another school from one of those two conferences as well. You know, I I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think you're like somebody else is going to have to be real, real impressive to to pass those up. I think I think we got we got three pretty good locks, even if we don't know the the third name technically. Right, like Ohio State seems like they're gonna win. I I think they're gonna win the Big Ten, and then, well, I guess what you're saying is it could be it could be Michigan, it could be Alabama, Georgia, whatever. Uh, I think that's the easiest the easiest way to look at it right now for sure. Yeah, I think so too. All right, um, what do you want to go next? You want to? I mean, you want to get a little Big Ten, ACC? I think we do one of the two because I don't think we really need to do both to be honest. No, I don't. Um, let's do ACC. We do Big Ten a lot. Okay, so ACC, uh, I had a pretty interesting night in the ACC, actually, with uh, NC State-Florida State game. NC State bouncing back a week after losing to Clemson in what was kind of their Super Bowl. That was their big chance. They kind of had to win that game if they wanted to win the division. Florida State up 17-3 to at halftime. NC State comes storming back, wins 19-17, to and... Um, it's a, it's a blown opportunity for Florida State because talk about a team needing some sort of win to just keep things progressing and moving forward. I think this was a really big missed opportunity for Norvell and what he's trying to do at Florida State because, you know, if they win that game, then they go into the game against Clemson next week and they can realistically kind of say like, okay, if we win this game, we can compete for the division. And I think that's gone for them now, you know, losing to both NC State and Wake Forest. Now it's like, okay, Florida State is maybe the fourth best team in this division where two weeks ago I was actually considering betting on them to win the ACC, but the odds weren't just quite long enough for me because I thought they had some potential there. Uh, So I thought that was... Uh, an interesting game and I think uh, I'd give kudos to NC State for for bouncing back and not doing kind of like the NC State thing that they're known for which is competing against the top top teams really well and then dropping one that they shouldn't it's so funny that Florida State's now (laughs) at that at that level Mm -hmm. but uh, it kind of is what it is so you know kudos to Dave Doran and NC State for bouncing back and getting the win is there anything that that you felt like you learned from this one no, I think that's a fair way to look at it. I think it was a good bounce back win from for them. You know, neither of these teams I think are really going to be in the running for for the conference title. But I think it was it was a good um, it was a good matchup. I mean, honestly, like the the ACC game that weirdly enough feels like it had more potential division title impact to me was North Carolina and Miami. And I know I mentioned that as a, as one I was maybe interested in keeping an eye on this weekend. Yeah. Um, just a couple of, a couple of really poorly timed plays and play calls. It was interesting. The broadcaster actually called it out, um, called out uh, Kevin Steele, Miami's defensive coordinator. When, North Carolina was on their 18 play, almost nine minute drive to extend their lead um, to in the fourth quarter to 10. I believe it was. They ended up with a field goal that made it 10, but they had them at third and nine um, about to force a punt. 
and had their best pass rusher drop into coverage, trying to cover a shifty slot receiver. And he got open and got a first down little things like that, man, Miami just doesn't seem to like have it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I didn't think that necessarily they would win the division, but I thought they had as good a chance as anybody just because of the way it kind of shapes up this year. There's just not a ton of spark there. It doesn't look like, um, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke bounced back nicely after a bad performance, almost threw for 500 yards. That's, that's exciting to see, but couldn't get the stops when they needed it. Um, so North Carolina, I mean, they have wins over Virginia tech and Miami now, um, as in the driver's seat as anybody, uh, in, in the coastal. So yeah, that was an interesting outcome. Uh, just disappointed as the wins pool owner of the hurricanes by their, uh, early season performance. So I did not get a chance to watch a ton of this game. I was at a wedding yesterday, but I, when I looked at the box score, my first thought when I saw that Van Dyke threw it 57 times for almost 500 yards, was like, is this just Mario being like, okay, you guys think I don't like quarterbacks, good quarterbacks do their thing. Like, here you go. Throw the ball 50 times. See if I care. Like, I feel like he's like, just, yeah, go, go out and throw it 60 times, Tyler. Like I'm sick of people telling me that I don't let good quarterbacks do their thing. That was just my first like funny thought. That might be it. I mean, they ran for 42 yards. That's not where their head coach likes to get the job done. So man. Yeah. But, um, so it's uh, like whoever comes out of the coastal is just a sacrificial lamb to Clemson, right? Like nobody on that side can put up a fight, can they? I don't think so. Like nobody does anything particularly well. Um, I, I'm I'm looking at the coastal standings right now, just team by team, and I'm like, nope, absolutely not, nope. I mean, Pitt was in there last year. Like they they ended up pulling away this weekend, but like they're not what they were. Georgia Tech. Uh, certainly <laughs> I don't anticipate them making the conference title game, but they're two and one in the conference. Um, it kind of so, yeah. sucks. Cause I kind of like to see wake. I'd kind of like to see wake Clemson again, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, I think, I think it's fair to say the three best teams are, are in the Atlantic. I think so too. I think that's very fair. It's funny from an odds perspective, <laughs> Clemson's minus 310, Carolina's plus 700. Then third is Syracuse at plus 1600. Yeah, just because they haven't they haven't taken their L to Clemson yet, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, they, exactly they, they haven't lost, and they still have a game coming up against Clemson. So, like, in theory, if you thought Clemson was susceptible to a loss, like, I guess that's the team you'd want to take. I mean, yeah. I'm not doing it. Like, I, no, I don't no, really no. believe in them or anything. I, I like I said, I pencil, I'm penciling in Clemson for the college football playoff. But it is that's kind of interesting. So, I don't know. It seems weird this year. I would like to. I, I really do wish that uh, they had gone away from divisions this year and we could see Wake Clemson again because I think Wake outplayed them to some extent in that first game. Had a really good chance to win the game, and I do think that is the type of team that can beat Clemson is a team that's going to outscore them. North Carolina fits that mold to some degree. I like Drake May, but that offense is, I mean, that defense is just so bad. I also feel like that's the kind of defense that Clemson will just light up too. Yeah. So I don't really see them as a big threat. All right, well, let's get into some winners and losers, Brian. And I'm going to cheat a little bit. I asked you, do you want to talk about the ACC or the Big Ten? I'm going to talk about the Big Ten a, a little bit anyway to start with my winner. And my winner this week that's Brett Bielema and the Illinois Illini coming up with a big 9-6 to six win over Iowa. Do you think, like, anything? Do you, how happy were those two coaches in that game? It's, that was just, like, a dream for the two of them, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's their religion. Is That is football. That is what football is supposed to look like. You know, I kind of like it too. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of weird in this way. We're like, I like when a big 12 game is 65 to 62. I like when a big 10 West game is nine to six. Uh, they, you know, they, they each serve their purpose. And I just think like, I always think about these fan bases, right? Like being a Maryland fan, I think about Illinois and like, I just feel a kinship. I feel like I can relate to them. Like, it doesn't matter how ugly the win is. 
you're going to celebrate any win over a team uh, over a division rival where you get to five and one. So, you know, kudos to Brett Bielema, kudos to Illinois. That defense is really good. And, you know, Iowa is one of only seven teams in the country that has not yet scored a hundred points on the season. Oh my one of only two power five teams. It's them in Colorado. So you know, clearly it's not a good offense that they shut down, but Illinois defense is really good. I mean, they, they held Iowa to 1.7 yards per carry. Uh, they held Spencer Petras to 170 yards to the air, 4.7 yards per attempt. And, Illinois has to actually be in the conversation now for winning the Big Ten West. Like It's not unrealistic to think that Illinois could come out of that division. So, you know, got to give it up to them. Doesn't matter how ugly it was. Uh, I kind of like how ugly it was. So, Illinois, Brett Bielema, winner of the week. I like it. I like it. I'm going back to the well. I've been trying to avoid doing this, but I think he deserves it this week. I talked a bit about Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's my winner this week. UCLA, a firm Pac-12 contender, unbeaten going into their bye. Still a bunch of winnable games on the schedule. Um, wins over Washington and Utah after kind of a a cupcake-ish start to the season. Uh, really impressive. And so he, was, he just felt totally in control. Um, it was fun to see him kind of parading around the field at the end because it seems like he's he's releasing some pent up like revenge energy, uh, and I wouldn't want to face them anytime soon. So, DTR UCLA, my my winner of the week. Good for him, man. Because at one point, it looked like Dylan Gabriel was going to UCLA this right. offseason, right? Like he was going to be their starting quarterback, and now. DTR's back and and really having a great year and I think that's what, that's part of what makes college fo- football fun and special. I like to see those things. So yeah, I, I like it. It's a nice heartwarming story for him. That I think that's a good pick for winner of the week. For me, the loser of the week, Brandon. Like I said a few times a day, you know, I'm pretty irritated. So sure. you know, I got fired up on this one as I'm relishing in it. My loser of the week, state of Virginia. Don't like the state of Virginia from Maryland. Rivals never like them. You live in Virginia now. I would never personally. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that's my loser of the week. The two ACC teams in the state of Virginia now two and four Virginia. Oh, and three in the conference after a 34, 17 loss to Louisville, Virginia tech, a 45, 29 loss to Pittsburgh. Pat Narduzzi is so mad that he had to score 45 points in that game. He is so mad at Brent Pry that they allowed him to score 45 points. He's like, guys, I'm trying to win this game like I was trying to play an uh, Illinois-Iowa game, a 9-6 to game, and they allowed him and Pitt to score 45. Virginia, state of Virginia is down bad right now. ODU might be the best team in the state. Loser of the week, entire state of Virginia. No love for the newly minted number 25 team in the country you know what that's that's my bad that is my bad jmu is the best team in the state they are the best team in the state of virginia i don't even think that's debatable first year in the big leagues too killing it i like it though i like it uh sorry for moving here i'm close i can see the monuments from here you know i'm pretty much dc we're we'll we'll, we'll talk it up to that um my loser and and we started off the, the episode talking about it a bit but my my week six loser is Jimbo Fisher. So I think, you know, as Johnny Manziel so eloquently tweeted, and I'm paraphrasing here, that is the play call with one shot to beat the number one team in the country. Like, that was really bad. So, like, not only the fact that even if he catches it, he's short. Like, there was – it's just not what you do in those situations. Roll him out. see, make Let him use his legs if he can. Multiple routes. But they went to the short side of the field – um, and he, and he didn't even get it to the goal line and the, the, the goal to go play as time expired, just really disappointing. I mean, I know that they, they've been, you know, beat up. It's been hectic around there, but like, that is the moment to break, to break out whatever the play is. Like, I like to think, and I've never been in a locker room. I've never been on a coaching staff. But I think you have you didn't play the game, Brian. You I'm play the game. I'm I'm old media. I haven't played the game. But I think like 
everybody's got a, a, a stash of plays. Even if it's just one play that's like, this is going to work. We, we like, this is the right design. We've practiced it. It's going to work. That's when you call it. You go beat Nick Saban. What, what are you doing? He didn't even. So anyway, Jimbo's my loser because, uh, you know, he had a chance to be the winner. He had a chance to, to knock him off again, to do the unthinkable. And, uh, man, I thought that left a lot to be desired the way that game ended. It's hard to argue with that, man. Like, it is kind of nice to see Johnny Manziel, too. Somebody who clearly knows football very well. One of the most exciting players we've seen over the last 20 years in college football. Have the same reaction that, like, us sitting at home who never played the game uh, has as well, right? It's like, what are you doing? How is that the play? How can that be the play? That, under no circumstances, can that be the play? So I think that's a, a very fair loser of the week. Well, we got another loser to talk about, and that's going to be in our Maryland minute, and that's Maryland losing to Purdue at home in a game that is really, really disappointing. 31-29 loss. At the end of the day, Maryland had forced three turnovers, could not score a single point off any of those turnovers. That was what was most disappointing to me. And I think the reason they lost the game, there was a very questionable call. And I think more than questionable, a bad call. Maryland takes the lead in the fourth quarter to go up by six extra point is blocked. Seemed to pretty clearly be offside by Purdue. uh, But the, the call was not made. So Maryland's up six Purdue marches down the field scores to go up by a point, eventually go up by eight unbelievable drive i thought by by maryland with uh what was it about a minute 10 minute 20 left or so um to go down and and get a touchdown chance to tie the game up converts the two-point conversion illegal man downfield call uh, then unable to convert on, on the second try i think that flag was more legit than the lack of offside flag, but it's still like a time and place thing. I mean, like how many times a game with all the RPOs in college football, is there a man three and a half yards downfield blocking and that doesn't get called. So I am more disappointed in the lack of conversion off turnovers than I am about the the missed calls. But overall, it's just a, a really frustrating game from Maryland perspective. And um, it, it just just sucks. I mean, I, how are you feeling about it a day later? Yeah, I mean, the same. The same. Uh, it was the third quarter. They got three. The first three Purdue possessions of the second half, they turned them over. They went uh, – Nine yards turnover on downs after recovering a fumble on Purdue's first possession. After a pick, eight plays, 20 yards, punted it. And then after a fumble, four plays, six yards, missed field goal. Can't, I mean, you you can't pick that time to not be able to do absolutely anything on offense. I'm with you on the calls. Like, like I mean, it just, it changed the game. We said it in the moment that it happened, blocked extra point. It's like, this isn't just like a, like a throwaway. Like this is going to impact the outcome of the game, and like you gotta, you can't, you can't have that happen. So, it's a bummer, man. It, it is because, and I think you alluded to it when we were chatting. Um, it's different. You expect to go to Indiana and win. You expect to beat Northwestern at home, and then you're talking about real, tangible, actual program changing potentially momentum. Um, and I think like, go out there, get back to work, take care of business, kick these next two teams ass, get bowl eligible. You're playing with house money going to get Wisconsin, Penn state, Ohio state, three out of the last four. And then, and then you end with Rutgers. I think that there's, this didn't change what the season could be, but man, does it feel like it took the wind out of the sails because Everything was smooth sailing. And honestly, watching the game, the first half was real tight. It felt like a game they were going to win. I'll be honest with you. Like, just from what I've seen this year, it's like, okay, th- this is a an offense with some experience, a defense that has been getting some timely stops. I think they're going to win the game. And and so to, to not be able to do that was was tough for sure. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, this Maryland program, it's a program that this is a pro football area. 
There, it, it has been, it always, it really always will be. Pro football is the football that dominates this area. And Maryland hasn't been very good. It's been since 2010 when they were in the ACC since they've had a winning conference record. And I felt like there was some real momentum being built. But now it's like anybody who was on the fence about like, oh, do I want to go out to College Park and watch this team on a Saturday is now saying to themselves, oh, same old Maryland, don't need to bother. And I felt like if they could have got that game yesterday, went on the road and got a win over over Indiana, came back home for homecoming as a one-loss team against a team that they're going to be significantly favored over because, by the way, they are a significant favorite against Indiana on the road. I think it's a... Uh, let me make sure I get it right. Ten and a half. Maryland is a ten and a half point favorite on the road this weekend at Indiana. I think there would have been real momentum that we haven't seen in quite some time in College Park, where it's like everybody around here who loves the Ravens, who loves the Commanders, somehow still there's still a, a lot of people who are hanging on that team every week would say, Hey, I, I, maybe I should give this team a shot. They're, they're playing fun football. They have a great quarterback. They have a fun offense. They, you know, they they play hard. They're beating quality big 10 teams. And now it just feels like all that wind is out of the sails. And it's really a tough pill to swallow because it feels like we were talking and maybe this was presumptive and dumb and, stupid of us but we were talking on friday about like oh yeah if they go to the music city bowl or one of the florida bowls the like you know second tier florida bowls that are new year's day we should definitely go and now i'm of the mindset again like just get to six just get to six like find a way to get to six and um that's just not unfortunately what you have to do to really grow a fan base in this area. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So I don't know, man, like they should win next week. I don't think Indiana, I, I think Maryland is a significantly better team than Indiana, but how often do we talk about it? anytime you're going on the road, especially in the big 10, it's not going to be easy. None of these games are, are, are ever easy, but it's, it's one you have to get as a 10 and a half point road favorite. Strangely enough, Maryland did go up, uh, I believe, a spot in SP+. So they're up to number 22 now, Purdue just ahead of them at 21. Let me ask you, though, did you think in that game, which team did you think was the better team, Maryland or Purdue? Um, I mean, I, I – oh, boy. I – it seemed like Purdue was was a little bit more like together to me, like a little bit more. This is what we want to do. We're going to go do it. I felt the same way. I felt like Purdue was a little bit of a better team, but Maryland was coming up with plays, especially on defense, and they couldn't convert. We talked about that at length already. I was shocked by how well Aiden O'Connell was able to spread the ball around to his receivers because Going into this game, I was like, okay, they have Charlie Jones, who they go to nonstop. If they can shut him down and they can shut the tight end down, then I think they should be in pretty good shape. Like, I think they can handle this offense. But he was, he did a really nice job, I thought, of spreading the ball around. And they didn't have a ton of big, like, 20 plus yard plays, but they had a lot of seven yard plays eight yard plays it felt like and uh, I I was really I was really impressed by that so you know I think Purdue did a nice job there I still don't think Maryland's defense is the greatest honestly Um, but they, they they come up with big plays and then the offense couldn't capitalize so it's kind of a team loss honestly and of course you hate what happened with with a missed call but I actually did feel like Purdue was was the better team yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right. Well, enough commiserating about the Terps. Uh, hopefully, for our sake, they'll get that win next week, get a win at Northwestern, and then Brian and I will be back being positive again, talking about going to Nashville for New Year's Eve, uh, only to have our, our hearts ripped out in some other way. But 
We have some games we got to talk about next week. Week seven, you know, this season is flying by. What are you looking forward to next week outside of, you know, uh, the big one, Tennessee, Alabama? Yeah, I, I think there's just a few that jump out that are really opportunities to prove yourself. So TCU is, is favored against Oklahoma state. That's a big one. Uh, it looks like Utah is favored against USC, like stand your ground, Penn state and Michigan get each other. Who's really the, the, the truest contender to challenge Ohio state. Right. So we're really starting to get into the thick of it where we're going to learn who's for real and who's not Syracuse is a five point home favorite against NC state. So, you know, we're talking about they're the third best odds in the ACC. Okay. Are you for real? Come out and prove it. So there's, there's a lot of good head to head matchups that I see Um, been really impressed the last few weeks with Mississippi state. Um, and, and they go to Kentucky, which I know Kentucky has been struggling, but like another opportunity for, for a good win for the Bulldogs who've beat A&M and Arkansas pretty handily in back-to-back weeks. Um, and so, yeah, ever since that LSU loss, they've been really impressive. I think that that's one to watch as well. Yeah. I can't add too much more. I mean, I, I think it's become pretty clear at this point. My two favorite conferences right now are the big 12 and the pac 12. And I think there's two really fun games that you mentioned at, at the top of that league with the USC Utah game and then the Oklahoma State TCU game. I think those will both be fantastic games and one that I'm looking forward to just sitting down and watching all the way through as my TV one. I am going to take Iowa State plus 14 and a half at Texas. Like, that's just on principle. Texas has to prove to me that they can go and blow out a, a team in conference that's not like a team that they're up for. And if I lose the bet, I lose the bet. But I, it's it's a bet I have to make just on principle. <laughs> You're a proud man. <laughs> exactly, man. It, it, I mean, uh, Iowa State, they have a good defense. They yeah. can't score. Can't score at all. But they are. They have a good defense. And I this is just Texas's M.O., right? They're going to come out, look great one week when it's when the lights are the brightest and then when you got to go you know it'd be even better of course if it was in Ames but when you have Iowa State coming to town and i mean we've been to that stadium um i don't know do you think it's going to be like the rowdiest environment for Iowa State because it sure wasn't when the Terps came to town no i don't think so i think you're on to something so you know it's a it's 11am central kickoff a little bit sleepy coming off a huge win where everybody's told you how great you are this week. Hey, give me the Cyclones plus 14 and a half. Just just on principle there. Not the best game of the week, but a game I'm definitely betting. And then I do want to watch Minnesota, Illinois, Brian. I think this is quintessential Big Ten football right here. <laughs> who can win in the trenches? Who can run the ball? And I think there's something fun about that. Like I think that is we talked about it on the show last week. I, I love the contrasting styles that you can watch all at once. And that's going to be one where you know what you're getting. It's going to be physical. The over under the totals 39 and a half in that game. And you can, you know, contrast that at the same time with, uh, you know, you would think Kansas, Oklahoma would be a, quite a shootout at the same time. But, uh, you know, given what Oklahoma looks like right now, who knows? But either way, there's so many shootouts every week. We're going to see them. Oklahoma State TCU will probably be a shootout. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's fun to play a game in the 30s. I like it. A true a true football loyalist. I mean, look, you spend a year in Chicago, you really, <laughs> really start to develop. Uh, it just kind of gets in your blood. You're like, like you know, cold weather football, 11 a.m. central kicks because it's too, it's too cold to, uh, to really be out there at night. You want to run the ball. You want to own the trenches, and I think it's fun. It's in my blood now, and, I, and I'm not going back. I like it. I like it. I mean, we got to go back to Atlanta or to Athens and buy that run the damn ball hat. Uh, that's, that's, that's what you're all about now. Run the damn ball. That's right. That's right, Brian. Well, I will be watching those two teams run the ball next week. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to watch Oklahoma State and TCU throw the ball over the field. And I can't wait to be back here next Sunday breaking down some football. I will be solo next week. Are you going to be able to watch college football in 
Portugal? Uh, TBD. But if I can, I will. Well, I will be here. I'll be breaking it all down. I'm sure if Brian can watch, he will watch, and he will be texting me. I'll be glad to share whatever thoughts he sends my way. But I can't wait for it. It's always fun watching college football, talking college football. That's our show. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.